worship you today, Father, because of who you are. And now, God, we ask that you would bless the preparation and the proclamation of your word, for we are keenly aware of the reality that no preaching of spiritual significance can take place outside the anointing of your Holy Spirit. We know, God, that there can be fancy rhetoric and that there can be entertainment. Uh, but without you, God, without your presence, no deep, convicting, confrontational, life-changing preaching can take place. So, God, we ask for your divine anointing upon the preaching and upon the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So says Matthew 28. 18 through 20. I want to preach this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit, and I solicit your prayers from the subject on mission for our king in 2017. That's what we're about. That's what our church is about. Our church is about being on mission for our king, for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in 2017. On next Saturday at 9 a.m., the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church family will come together in this very place, in this sanctuary, for our 2017 vision meeting. At that meeting, I will present the church to the church the vision God has given me for the year 2017. In addition to that, the ministry leaders will share with the congregation, with each other, the vision that God has spoken to them concerning the ministry that they are leading. The finance committee will come and give the church a financial support, a financial report. Uh, c concerning the state of our church's finances, which by the grace and help of God are doing very well. And all of this will be done with one main focus in mind. And the main focus will be to support the mission of the church. All new members at Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, when they go through our new members' orientation, they get to learn what our mission is. The mission of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church is to know Jesus Christ and to make him known through evangelism, discipleship, and missions. That's on our bus. That's, that, that's who we are and what we do. And it's important to know the mission of the group that you are with. Many secular organizations have mission statements. The Polk County School Board has a mission statement. Publix has a mission statement. Coca-Cola Corporation has a mission statement. More important, the church has a mission statement because the mission is what drives us. And it's important for people to know what the mission statement is because then it, they can decide whether or not they buy into the mission or whether or not they need to move on. The mission statement is important. 
Some years ago, Dr. Jim Henry, the pastor emeritus of First Baptist Church in Orlando, while riding through the Washington, D.C. area, said that he saw a sign in front of a vacant church building. And the sign read, we're going out of business. Didn't know what our business was. That sign was a sad commentary because it represented to the community and to everybody that drove by, it represented a group of people who got off track, who lost their way, and who obviously failed to keep the main thing the main thing. The danger of church families getting off track is real. The danger of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church getting off track is real especially in a world filled with religious fads, theological fashions, and sacred fakery. Add to the list Hollywood's deceptive depictions of what church life should be, and you'll clearly see why so many people and so many groups are off course. But here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, we strive to keep the main thing, the main thing. We aren't following trendy movements here. We aren't impressed by what's hip and what's cool and what's, what's stylish. We don't concern ourselves with the who's who crowd of TV preachers or L.A. preachers or radio personalities. But what's important for us is to follow the biblically-based mandate Mandated mission of Jesus for his church. That's what's important to us. Not what they do on television. Not what other people are doing. Not what we hear on the radio. What's important to us is that we follow the Bible-based mandated mission that Jesus Christ set forth for his church. Now, for those who have their own church, quote unquote, they can run it like they want to. They can make it about the building. They can make it be about the budget. They can make it be about politics. They can even make it be about themselves. But those who are part of God's church will follow the marching orders of Jesus Christ, our King. So what is his mandated mission for his church? The text that Pastor Harris read lays it out. First, the mission of the church is to make disciples. That's, that's why we exist. That, that's, why, that's why we do what we do. Everything that we do should be geared around making disciples. Notice verse 19, Jesus says, go therefore and build buildings. Go therefore and raise money. Go therefore and make celebrities out of the leadership. Go therefore and sell things. No, go therefore and do what? Make 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Notice, if you will, the very first mission mandate from the lips of Jesus to those 11 disciples whom he had chosen to lead his church was to go. Move forward, actively, aggressively engage in people. And notice Jesus explicitly told them in the text not to leave anybody out. For he said, make disciples of all nations. Now, this mandate must have rang out loud in the ears of those 11 disciples. When they heard Jesus say, go make disciples of all nations, the hairs must have stood up on the back of their necks, their ears must have peaked up, their eyes must have got as big as saucers, and their attention was on him. Well, why? Because their world was a world where either you were either born a Jew, making you a member of the family of God, or you were born a Gentile, making you an unworthy pagan. Religion in their world was an exclusive club with its own rank and file pecking order. There were, there were different levels of privileges and authority. And on the top of the heap were the Pharisees, then the, the Sadducees, then the scribes, the priests, and the rabbi, and then common people. But they were all a part of Judaism. They were all a part of God's family. They were God's chosen people. So when the disciples heard Jesus say, go ye therefore and make disciples of, get this, all nations, what they heard him say was go, actively recruit, actively pursue, actively invite, actively encourage anybody and everybody to come into a saving relationship with me thus placing you in the family of God. That's why that statement would have blown them away. Because it was a statement that invited whosoever will to come and be a part of the family of God. Not just the Pharisees, not just the scribes, not just the rabbis, not just those who were born as Jews, but Jesus says it's now open to everybody. I want you to go and tell them so. Whosoever will, let them come. Jesus would say, don't, they heard him say, don't discriminate, don't segregate, don't evaluate, don't eliminate anybody. Whoever will, let them come and receive everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it is to be on mission for our king in 2017. 
means that we unashamedly, unapologetically do everything within our God-given power to lead people to Jesus Christ. Certainly buildings and budgets and programs and projects and administration and organization have a place in church life. However, they should not replace, although they have a place, they should not replace the number one agenda item on Jesus' command list for his church, which according to verse 19 is to go and do what church? Make disciples. Number one, and yet so many places are off track because other things have become the number one priority of the church. So how do we do it? How do we go about leading people to Jesus? How do we go about uh, uh, about bringing people, uh, encouraging people to come into a saving relationship with Jesus. We live in a high-tech, crazy, mixed-up, confused world. How do we, as members of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, or how do we, being a member of the church, wherever you are, wherever you're listening to me, how do we do it? How do we carry out this mandate of leading people into a saving relationship with Jesus. Do we need theological degrees to do it? Do, do we need to be to be on the upper echelon of our, our, our career ladder to do it? How do we do it? The answer is simple. First, we lift Jesus up with our lips. That's pretty simple, isn't it? What that means is that we talk about him. Oh, I know we talk about football and we talk about the stats and we talk about politics and we talk about our jobs and we talk about our families and and all of those things have a place. But in order to lead people to Jesus, we got to talk about Jesus. We talk about him. We tell the biblical story. Uh, We just talked about it just a couple of weeks ago. We tell the story about how he was born in Bethlehem. How he grew up and how he walked among people. How he suffered and bled and died for our sins. We, we, we talk about that with our lips. We, we tell the biblical story of how he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But early Sunday morning, how by the power of God, he came up out of that grave with all power in his hands. It's a remarkable story. It's the greatest story ever told. In order to lead people to Jesus, we've got to tell it. We tell the story of a Savior. Who cares for you? Tell people the story of a Savior who cares for you. Don't worry about their job title. Don't worry about how much money they have. Don't worry about their condition in life. Don't worry about it. Just tell them the story. Tell people in spite of all that you've been through. He cares for you. 
Tell him the story that in spite of all you going through right now, he cares for you. Tell them that in spite of how high up you have been or how high up you are or how low down you have been. Tell him that Jesus loves you and that he longs to have a relationship with you because we live in a world where people are broken, battered, and abused. Many people feel as they as though they are not worthy. They could never have a relationship with Jesus. But tell them that nothing can be further from the truth. Tell them that no matter how messed up you are, that God sent Jesus to die for your sin. Then tell them your story. Tell them about your personal story. Tell them, tell them, tell them like the, the Samaritan woman told her story. Not a fabricated story. All she said was, come see a man. Yeah, yeah. Told me all I've ever done. She told her story. Yeah. Didn't have to make up anything. She didn't, she, she didn't have to fabricate. All she did was tell the story as it had happened to her. If you want to lead people to Jesus, just tell your story. Tell them how the Lord picked you up. Tell them how God changed your life. Tell about how he mended your broken heart. Tell about how, about how God picked you up, brought you in, made a way out of no way. Just tell your story. Just like it happened to you. I love to tell the story and read the story of the old hymn writer. I love how, how this hymn writer penned the story. They penned these words telling their story. The hymn writer wrote, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. And because that hymn writer told that story, countless of people have been saved and are growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? Tell that old, old story. It's never too old to tell, and we never get tired of hearing it. But not only do we lead people to Jesus with our lips, we lead them to Jesus with our lives. That is when people see with their own eyes, when they experience with their own emotions the love of Jesus in us and the joy of Jesus in us and the peace of Jesus in us and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness and the self-control of Jesus in us, when they see the forgiveness in Jesus, Jesus in us when they experience and see the holiness our lifestyles of Jesus in us and the righteousness that only God can bring about in us when they see the light of Jesus Christ shining in and through us when they see our commitment to the Lord we love and to the church that our Lord loves when they see it 
we are leading them to Jesus. May we as a body of baptized believers in Jesus Christ never replace the agenda of Jesus with our own. And may we never grow too modern, too classy, too sophisticated, too polished or refined to the point that we're leading people into a saving relationship with Jesus becomes outdated or unimportant. Second, the mission of the church is to teach all that Jesus commands. Notice verse 20. Jesus says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This process is called discipleship. Whereas those who have now joined the ranks of the Christian faith engage in lifelong learning in order to be more like Jesus. It makes no difference how long we've been in the church, how long we've been Christians, what our duties are, what our titles are, what our positions are. We are lifelong learners. There's always some things to learn. We may have a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, or two or three doctoral degrees, but we never stop learning as long as we're on the face of this earth. The discipleship process is a double-edged sword in that we ought to be teaching others to become more like Jesus and at the same time studying and learning to be more like Jesus ourselves. As I and as the pastoral staff and as our teachers teach the church, the congregation, to be more like Jesus, we are also digging and learning and studying, becoming more like Jesus ourselves. Because after all, you cannot pour out of you what the Lord has not poured into you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's called Christian education. That's learning to be more like him. That's discipleship. So when so then the mission of the church, according to Jesus, is to actively pursue, aggressively persist, and authoritatively practice Christian education. That's what we're about. Why is Christian education important? Christian education is important because it undergirds every aspect of our Christian faith and practice. In other words, Christian education answers the question of who and and what and when and where and why we do what we do. There is not one facet of Christianity that does not involve Christian education. There's never a time when the church can avoid, can sidestep, can ignore, can overlook or disregard proper Bible-based teaching. The words of the apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2.15 teaches that very clearly, admonishing every disciple, every practitioner of the Christian faith, every born-again, baptized, Holy Spirit-filled believer in Jesus Christ to study 
to show thyselves approved, a workman, a disciple, a Christian who does not need to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Paul says, study the book. Study for yourself. Study like the Bereans who followed along as Paul preached, not because they did not trust him, but because they wanted to see it in the word for themselves. So when your pastor preaches, study. When you hear somebody else preach, study. Check it out for yourself. Make sure that it's in line with the biblical teachings of Jesus. Jim Jones and David Koresh and many other cult leaders led well-meaning people astray because they refused to be learners. They refused to study. And so they bought into false doctrine. And in many cases, they lost their lives. False doctrine caused them to lose their material possessions and then to lose their lives. We're going to be on mission for our king in 2017. Teaching must be paramount in the life of our church. Without good, solid, Bible-based teaching in the church, people will not know the faith and they will not grow in the faith. So how does discipleship flesh out? In the 21st century, in 21st century church life, how do we get there? How do we make it happen? Well, let me just give you three ways. First, prayer and solitude. Uh, what that means is just spend some time every day alone with God. Tune out the world. And tune in to God. Turn off the television. Tune into God. Get off the internet. Tune into God. Get off of the cell phone and tune into God for a while. Get before God with your Bible, your mind, and your heart open to all God has to say to you each and every day. One thing the devil hates is for a child of God to spend time alone with the Heavenly Father. Why? Because when we spend time alone with God and, when, and, and, and God gets into our head and God gets into our heart and the word gets into our head and gets into our heart, when that happens, we become more Christ-like. And when we become more Christ-like, the devil loses his grip and his influence. When we study by spending time alone with God and God speaks to his word to our hearts, the devil's power is diminished. His strongholds are broken and his attacks are weakened and his temptations are lessened all because of the power of God. Can I just tell you the reason why so many people are leading and living defeated lives is because they are not spending quality time with God and they are not learning from God nor putting into practice what the Lord is teaching them. But all that can change through prayer and solitude. It's important. That's why Satan will do everything within his power to prevent you from spending quality time alone with God. 
Have you noticed when you set time uh, to spend time alone with God, the doorbell rings, the, the phone rings, uh, something goes on, something important, your cell phone goes off, folks, uh, as we like to say, blowing up your cell phone, and your curiosity gets the best of it, and before you know it, you're chasing a rabbit down the trail, and you don't get back to God until sometime at a later time, and at that time, you've missed what God wanted to tell you at that moment. But secondly, set a, set a time, some time every day for family prayer and Bible study. Third, take advantage of as many teaching and training opportunities that the church has to offer. Take advantage of as many of those as you can and do it as often as you can. The church provides newcomers classes, Sunday school classes, midweek Bible study for children, youth, and adults. The church offers retreats. The church offers women's ministry. Yesterday, in spite of the rain and, and the cool weather, women poured out and, and almost filled the Learning Resource Center in order to study the Word of God. They were studying about putting on the full armor of God, a study by Priscilla Shower. My wife came home so excited about the Word and about the number of women that came and about the enthusiasm of the women in this church to learn the word of God. There are men's conferences. Just a couple of weeks, Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church was sponsored a man in the mirror conference over at Main Street Baptist Church in Bartow. And men will come together from various backgrounds and different races to, to study and to be taught the word of God. That's what discipleship looks like in the 21st century church life. Pastor Harris with our discipleship ministry team leading that team. And, and, and that team has, has, has planned and special Christian discipleship classes uh, three or four times a year when the church pays to bring in resource people so that not only uh, we can learn, but our teachers who teach can also have an opportunity to learn. That's what discipleship looks like. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Paul Nichols, one of my uh, esteemed professors at Virginia Union University School of Theology, said to the class one day and taught Christian education, and he said to all of us young students sitting there, he said, Christian education undergirds all that we do in the church. As a young, early 20-year-old student, that statement has never left my mind. And from that day back in 1979 and 1980 to this day here, January the 8th, 2017, the words of Dr. Nichols still sound loudly in my mind. Christian education, learning undergirds all that we do in the church. We're going to be on mission for our king in 2017. We've got to be about Christian education. We've got to be about learning. Third, the mission of the church is to be missional. Mission-minded. 
outreach minded. Look at the word go again in verse 19. The word go lets us know that the ministry that Jesus established 2,000 years ago was never designed to be confined within the four walls, five walls, six walls, seven walls, how many ever walls of the church. He did not design his ministry to be confined to the four walls of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. To be missional means to be actively involved in impacting our city, our state, our nation, and our world for Jesus. Missional means we become the hands and feet of Jesus. It means we're feeding the hungry. We're clothing the naked. We're caring for the widow. We're caring for the homeless, the helpless, and the hopeless. Being missional means that we visit the sick in the hospitals. We visit nursing homes, rehab centers. Missional means we reach out to jails and prison inmates. And and Pastor Joe is doing a great job with that. And I just uh, got information uh, just last week of of an inmate through an inmate who was so excited to get a Christmas card or a card in the mail from Good Hope Missionary Baptist church signed by members of Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Thank you so much Pastor Joe for being actively involved in mission. Just driving to church this morning I just said to my wife you know it seems like it's been a longer time but just last March the church was on the mission field in Haiti feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, helping those who are down and out. That's missional work. That's what Jesus said. And even those who did not make the mission trip participated through the giving of your tithes and your offerings and your prayers and your encouraging words. That's the mission field. That's what Jesus meant when he said go. Get outside of the walls. Don't be confined by bricks and mortar. Missional means we come alongside churches and Ministries to encourage them and to help them win and where we can. Missional means we fight the good fight of faith against injustice and oppression. Being on mission for our king in 2017 is to boldly proclaim, as did the prophet Isaiah, who said to the Lord, Hear my Lord, send me. Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, I sense a deep since deep within my being that God has great things in store for this church in 2017. The question is, are we willing to be on mission for our king in 2017? 